Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another session of Parallel Barkings. Woof, woof. My name is Larry Backer, and I'm here with Ariana um, Backer. Hey. Today, we're going to talk about uh, a different aspect. For the last several weeks, we've been talking about how the world is going to, I guess, hell or some reasonably equivalent, uh, reasonably <laughs> equivalent thereof in a handbasket. Hey, basket. My hand English idioms are, are not so good. Yeah, but anyway. <laughs> It's going somewhere, but it isn't a, a, a very nice place. And we've been talking about very various aspects of it uh, in a lot of ways. Today, we've got a number of hand baskets, mm -hmm. baskets, hand baskets uh, to talk about. And what we want to do is very briefly consider some of the ramifications of a number of things. One, the, um, the assassination of Shinzo Abe in Japan. Uh, to the um, the <laughs> the turmoil in Sri Lanka, um, uh, and that is really a harbinger of things that may be coming to Zambia and Lebanon, uh, and of course Argentina, which may be defaulting on forty five billion dollars in its external debt. Although they're not the only ones eating it like heroin. Um, but anyway, so uh, Shinzo Abe and the the assassination, Sri Lanka's turmoil. Uh, and what else, Ariana? Boris and uh, his oh, yeah. resignation. The English have really been reduced to second tier status when uh, the first thing on my mind is Japan, the second thing is Sri Lanka, and then I just... Just, you know, the... Yeah, the good news with respect to the English. So we can we can maybe do the, the English first because I think it's, it's kind of cool. Uh, with the um, with the um, the resignation of Boris, the news that I saw reported uh, was not so much about the ramifications. It looks like everyone in Britain now wants to be the the head of the Conservative Party. Yes, uh, at least a dozen. But that wasn't the big news. Uh, besides uh, the uh, uh, the son of. Uh, Prince William being too hot in his suit at Wimbledon. That was a bit of news. The other <laughs> news is that the English are taking the opportunity, or the Brits are taking the opportunity now to seriously consider, because they've got plenty of time and there's nothing else going on in the world, to seriously consider going back to a measurement in feet and inches since uh, they were no longer part of the European Union. And, Why and not? There's any statement that best characterizes the ramifications of the um, of, of the effect of the resignation of Boris Johnson from the prime ministership of Britain. It's that the most important thing that people may be fretting about in Britain is whether or not they should be counting. <laughs> I had no idea, actually, that is hilarious. <laughs> no, of course, that's not true. And certainly within the glitterati set, uh, the people who are using taxpayer money uh, to go to um, all kinds of places and hobnob with each other, and of course for us. Um, among them, of course, uh, Boris is big news, but big news in the way that, um, you know, Mrs. X's dress is being worn for the second time in, in the season at Newport might have been important to the industrial set in the 1890s. Uh, beyond that, I suspect it's it, gossip. It have... Come on. <laughs> now, but but and the the other thing is, of course, everyone loves these resignations because they, you you can write 
you can practice writing obituaries. And so they were writing obituaries for, um, for um, Mr. Johnson. And he was important. The resignation may or may not be important. His role in the history of the UK has been important, uh, certainly in the sense of him being instrumental in seeing Brexit through. The thing that began at a hot dog shop, I forget what, there's, there's some mythological story that this all began uh, and at some kind of sad restaurant. At, uh, there will be epics created about this story. Well, no, this will be a sad epic. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, Brexit, the, the, the story of Brexit starting when the, the then prime minister, I think it was Cameron, got stuck at O'Hare and they were dawdling and, and worrying about what to do. And they said, oh, I know how we can get reelected. Let's put Brexit on as a- as On a the table. And yeah. right, and then this thing acquired a life of its own, but I think it was Boris who- No, and then it, Theresa May was like, oh shit. Well, yeah, <laughs> I her obituary has, was written and, and has yet to be finished. She may be machinating here too. Uh, but it's it's, uh, it's a, certainly a delightful English version of politics. But it, it was it was Brexit. If you will be known for nothing else, it'll be Brexit. With respect to the other stuff, that it's the usual sort of scandals uh, that can either be ignored if you like the prime minister or can bring a prime minister down if you don't like him or if he's lost popularity and black. Um, what do you think? Are you going to miss Boris? Well, as he said, Them's the brakes. Are you measuring that in in, in inches or in centimeters? <laughs> well, I. Anyway, so the only other thing is, of course, uh, Britain having to carry its load as part of the um, the Western Alliance and the the problems with um, in on the continent. But let's see what happens right now. Uh, the resignation has turned uh, the UK inward again. Uh, as uh, everyone is fighting over the carcass of state to see who gets to reanimate. It's like some kind of zombie demon who gets to reanimate this, this carcass, this apparatus under their leadership, and we'll see how long they last. I um, will be sad to see him go because it was entertaining seeing him kind of flop around. And well, I mean, who's to say he's going? He's certainly not going to be prime minister anymore, but, um, you know, it's like leaving the CIA, you're kind of out, but you're never really out. Oh, that's true. All right, so we'll see what happens. But anyway, um, Boris will miss you. Um, but we won't miss you. We'll see no, you around. I mean, no, we, right. we will. And, and we'll I guess there's, a lot of people hated you. Uh, a lot of people liked you. A lot of people were indifferent to you. Uh, for those he reminds hate he, Brexit, to me, he was right? like a, a Trump's twin. They're like twinsies across right. the sea. Right. Because they, they're what? both brash, they both, they have this yeah. real but, tendency but, to like over-exaggerate and be super blustery and the hair, it's the hair well, thing. You know what it is, you just, you just, uh, you just have adverse reactions to boorish men. Um, uh, a lot of that. people have adverse relations to boorish men. But that doesn't make him either good or bad. I mean, and remember, I mean, Trump is being now reconstituted. One would have thought that he would have slinked back to wherever it was he came from and he'd be forgotten. But no, the, the Democrats have decided that they are going to resurrect him as the, the demon, uh, scary nightmare figure, the, the, 
uh, the worst possible nightmare image in American history, which of course means he, he is we, still trying to turn over oh the God. 2020 uh, election results. <laughs> oh, it's just, oh, oh, you know, I thought we were done, but it's, it's like we're, we're replaying, what is it, um, Groundhog Day, we're replaying this over and over and over again, it's like, give us a break. But even here, I mean, we can't talk about Boris without talking about um, our, our new um, mythological uh, 21st century American demon, but, you know, please. All right, so let's move on. Yes. Much, much more I think significant. Boris is significant, but from a historical perspective, mm -hmm. much, much more significant and really tragic. Um, and I say that, and I know that that may get me in trouble, is the assassination of Shinzo Abe. Yeah. I mean, um, he, of course, was a controversial figure specifically because he is known to be a um, Japanese. Uh, he's been described as a right-wing Japanese nationalist. Um, he's By been associated. By his enemies. Of course, he's been enemies, associated I'm surprised with... his enemies didn't describe him as a combination of Mothra and King Kong or Godzilla. Listen, he, he's been associated. I'm not saying what is or what isn't, but he's been associated with the Nippon Kaigi, which is uh, Japan's largest far-right, ultra-conservative, right. ultra-nationalist, and right. reactionary um, non-governmental organization and lobby. So in that, that could um, make people think one way or another. And people have certain thoughts about it because of the way he handled um, the idea of comfort women during World War II. That whole thing is between, you know, South Korea, World War II, it's, it's you know, that people have thoughts. But the the whole, we're talking about the assassination here. My My thought about this, um, was really, it was fascinating to me the way it happened. And that's what I wanted to focus on is that um, it was done with a homemade gun. And that is, I mean, because obviously Japan is a, it's, it's a mostly safe, place that is mostly devoid of, of handguns and and compared to the United States, of course. Yeah, yeah, but we the have Americans don't have a very high rate of assassinating like, their highest level political figures either, uh, even though we, we tend to pop everyone else. Um, right. Um, but yeah, the homemade gun thing was was kind of interesting. It's interesting, and it makes you think about the legislation that people push, and well, what can you do to uh, mitigate that kind of action when people are free to do whatever they want in their homes 
right. So here's a question for you. What if would we would we be having? And for me, this is a very American conversation, and we're kind of projecting our own gun uh, issues and gun challenges absolutely to, to this thing, which is weird for me, um, given the Japanese context. But let would we be having this conversation if instead? And you you saw the pictures that the the guy got within feet of him before he pulled out the gun. He could have as easily, I suppose, pulled out a large butcher knife and stabbed him in the heart. Would we be having this conversation if he'd have stabbed him in the heart with a knife? That now we have, you know, and, and you see where I'm going. The the question- The whole is, conversation yes, was about, I mean, with, with, was about security and how security was lax around um, the prime minister and why, why former was prime minister, the, the, former. the former prime minister. Um, <clears throat> so, right. but the Americans focused on the gun, the Japanese are focusing on security. Well, they're focusing on the gun too. Because I, I think um, for Americans, we, assume that there's a certain amount of security for an elected official. At least in my, for, for me, I assume that there is an extreme amount <laughs> or a, a certain degree of security um, for- For officials. For officials. But but even for former, uh, even for former, okay. I, I do expect okay. that. I do expect okay. that. Okay. I All do right. expect that. Yeah, and especially in Abe's case, um, to some extent, he was formally a former official, but an extraordinarily influential one, and one that was still, at least in terms of influence, critically important, you know, besides those things that are indeed controversial and with respect to which um, there is a lot of emotion, uh, Korean relations, especially with respect to uh, Japan's wartime activities um, and, um, you know, and, and his sympathies for various uh, political movements. Uh, the one thing that, that he played, he played a crucial role in two respects with respect to which the assassination really was uh, was quite important in terms of its potential ramifications. One was as the architect of the Quad, uh, the the um, the effort to uh, develop a kind of united front in the engagement with uh, China. Yes, uh, I and, mean, and, and, I appreciate you know, was crucial. His strengthening of and, the and defense. Mm -hmm. Right, and the, the defense forces, uh, both of which were long overdue uh, and very controversial, especially for people who thought that uh, the post-1945 um, settlement was set in stone forever. Which is uh, ridiculous. But, right, 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 right. And that would be the subject of another podcast. But the, the quad was clearly important. And, and most interesting is that here you've got a context in which the Americans are not taking the lead. Uh, and all of a sudden you have Abe who's guiding this uh, and you wonder, but but we've had, this, this has been a, a weird time for American leadership, certainly since the end of the Obama administration. Mm -hmm. uh, and Abe stepped in 
and to some extent it was, was protecting perfect. American. He was protecting American interests better than the American presidents. Yes, uh, and you know, and and that was his loss. There may be important with respect to Japan's defense, with respect to the coordination of of this thing, and the other thing, and this is a thing that um, for me. Uh, Mr. Trump's low, uh, low tide mark uh, was Abe stepped in when um, Obama, uh, President Obama failed to finish um, uh, finalizing the, uh, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Uh, and Mr. Trump then in uh, a decision that still makes me crazy, uh, decides to pull the plug on TPP. Uh, uh, Abe was the critical force that saved it to the extent he could. Uh, and that was also critically important. So you've got both um, economic coordination and now uh, geopolitical and military coordination, all of this coming from Japan uh, in the absence of American leadership. Yeah, um, I mean, he also initiated talks between Japan, the US, Australia, and India. He, right. he was the one who right, initiated right. those quadrilateral. Right. right, exactly, exactly. And he was willing to talk less, much less successfully, of course, with Putin uh, and with the Chinese uh, core of leadership, uh, both relatively unsuccessful uh, uh, tensions between China and Japan and cultural tensions, that is the, the, the willingness of governments to allow their uh, people to continue to uh, entertain feelings of unhappiness mm. between the, the the two countries uh, remains uh, a real issue. But um, it it was it was really sad. And of course, I was waiting for the conspiracy theorists to come in, and and uh, but I didn't see it. Uh, I think people have done a good job of suppressing that kind of speculation. You know, was this a North Korean hit? at the behest of the, the Russians. Um, there had been a lot of activity in J Japanese waters with the Chinese and Russian military. Uh, was this a signal to the Japanese uh, to ramp down their, um, their uh, what, the, what uh, the Russians might call Japanese military adventurism? I mean, you know, but none of that showed up. No, so that was that was really surprising. The but, reality is, a forty-one-year-old man was right. upset that his mother was donating yeah. way too much money to a world peace and unification church, and he thought that oh, Inzo okay. Abe was um, unification church. Isn't that a Korean-based church? I'm not sure, but he thought that Shinzo Abe was um, connected. Yes, connected ah, in some way. So he yeah, was that, following that was, him. Yeah, and it, it's it's always interesting. Uh, we have here yet another uh, person who seems to be an instrument um, in in his own mind or or whatever. But you know, he <laughs> I'm reminded as as you were talking about his uh, controversial legacy. It reminds me of, of what uh, Deng Xiaoping once said of Mao Zedong, which was, 
uh, Mao was 70% right and 30% wrong. And maybe that's how one has to judge him. Yeah. And, and in the, the end, it may be that ultimately opinion will be that uh, Shinzo Abe was X percent right and, and X percent wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, but that makes him neither a god nor a monster, but certainly an incredibly influential uh, man who in his own way sought to protect his country and his, uh, and his country's friends. I think that one of the ways that you can tell a, a good leader, and it, it's going to be upsetting is that you're not going to make everybody happy you, there's no way you can right so right. you everybody is going to be lukewarm <laughs> it's probably pretty right. much right how it's going right. to end up right. being right uh and of course all of this is happening simultaneously and we we move from britain and japan uh to sri lanka yes oh right. man and that was not that was anything but lukewarm the uh, right that was massive protests right and it, it's it's interesting in my my class in um in the the school of international affairs i i do a lot of hypothetical scenarios especially in developing countries where i talk about the very real risk in countries where their leaders um fail to be sensitive to the needs of their people mm -hmm. for political action not to be undertaken as they might in, in Europe uh, or in the most highly developed uh, East Asian countries uh, behind closed doors in fancy meeting rooms and hotels and, mm -hmm. and other centers, but on the street, the good old fashioned way. And I warned my students that this is a very real way in which mass impulses can be felt, especially in developing countries where people have no other means of, uh, uh, of expressing their, their views uh, in these countries, everything else is roadblock. And, and here we go, Sri Lanka, uh, that is apparently, we, we don't know the full story yet, but that's apparently what happened. Uh, you've got a group of people, uh, family, to some extent, family, family retainers, a, a closely knit group of people uh, coming out of the civil war years ago that then lock into power. And they manage over the course of several years to drive the country and its people to um, a very unhappy state, unhappy enough that um, the, I'll use a French analogy from 1789, the Saint-Culotte mm. will march on Versailles, mm. right? And unlike Versailles, of course, they did not drag the royal family uh, with them back to the Palais Royal. They wanted to. Paris, right. <laughs> Uh, these what's the 21st century, uh, you've got better monitoring equipment and you know you cut off a couple kings heads. But I feel like you know, they, they know. burned the house down. They burned they, the house down. I feel you know, they yeah, they did some burning, they did some trashing, they did some walking around. We saw variations of this in, in other developing states. Um, and and again, the, the press likes watching angry people acting out and, and that's kind of the story that they present and no one really bothers you have to get to like paragraph five six or seven to get to what brings this why about. right uh and it's and, an economic crisis well a number of them a number of them i and i've Damn seen a number of stories um the and ironically enough the trigger 
is, is always the small one. Uh, and, and again, here, this is, this is actually quite ironic. Um, it's gendered. We, when we look at Sri Lanka, we can't, uh, the people who tend to write this uh, tend to look at it through a gendered lens. And this is a male privileged gendered lens. And so the, the analysis will focus on the horrible debt crisis of Sri Lanka to the Chinese. That serves the American narrative as well. So you, you killed two birds with one stone. And now the, the Chinese are controlling a key port, although there's a controversy over how key this port is. But anyway, you've got that. You've got an enormous amount of debt and debt load. You've got a macroeconomic policy that apparently uh, was being um, uh, run and implemented by people who, <laughs> uh, who might have made better choices at virtually every turn. But again, this is if you look at this, we're gendering this um, male, we get less male when we get to, uh, I saw uh, some reports about a disastrous economic policy where they were trying to make Sri Lanka green, everything organic, no fertilizers and stuff. And of course, uh, the results, if you don't do this right and over time will be disastrous. But now the gendered story, when does this explode? It's hard to get gas. For men, that means gas for their cars male. But what sets this off for women, and we're living in a gendered society, for women, it's the failure of access to propane and heating oil for cooking, no food, households. And if you think about it, right, um, the crisis, in a sense, was the, the straw that may, and we don't know this yet, I'm, and I'm speculating, the, the straw if, if you look at this without a gendered lens or, or through a, a more feminist gendered lens, it's the, uh, the threat not to the outward male part, but to the tradition. And again, we're, we're using traditional gender terms and for people who feel that this is horrible, you know, work hard to overturn this and, and, and et cetera, et cetera. But in, in, a, in a traditional gendered way, um, you mess with the home and the kitchen and things can, it looks like things can explode. Yeah, nobody's going to get fed. Nobody's going to eat. No one's going to get eat. And you're dealing with, and, and of course, um, I forget there's an American academic who talks about this. In traditional societies, when you talk about um, females, you aren't talking just about females. You're talking about women and children, mm -hmm. right? So it's that dyad. Uh, and once it's one thing, if if uh, who's ever working, and there are a lot of women in traditional society who are also working, uh, and that becomes a, an issue as well. But it's one thing to have to walk to work. It's another thing when you come home and there's nothing, you can't feed your babies. Yeah. Uh citizens, you know, queuing up for essential supplies like milk and, um, you know, other things that aren't available right. to buy anymore. Right. And back, right. And back the classic 18th century mistake while, and this is where those pictures of the palace comes in, while that small group of people who are leading right, are 
<laughs> dining on grapes. <laughs> My cake. God. Right. The only thing that's missing is the 200 foot mega, mega yacht yeah. uh, from the lifestyles of the rich, the rich and famous. And so you, you get this. Um, the, the question then, of course, with these explosions is what happens next. Because in explosions, it's a momentary reset. But what are you resetting to? Right, they want a completely new government. They want to restructure the government along with the debt restructuring program that yeah. they are in current talks with the IMF with. Yeah. But so they're going to call you up for the new government, right? Who who's going to do that? And, and, and who's going to who's going to do that? Also, they want the prime minister and the president to be out of office while that's happening. Oh, sure. That you mean the current ones? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. So there's been kind of a, a coup. You you worry about the democratic process, but you don't worry about it all that much, I think, in this case. But think about who gets to replace the the current. Um, lifestyles of the rich and famous yeah. uh, leadership i'm worried but, about but, who, who does think that it would be it would be Another drawn from person? the same it would be drawn from the same social and economic right. class so are you replacing the duke of earl with the uh with the earl of duke yes <laughs> so the only thing that's different is their last name yeah uh and that then that that becomes a problem as well and so we we get and that's a nice way of saying uh, these periodic explosions don't do very much to to unravel uh, systemic issues. And here the problem with the systemic issues is that it's heavily built into the uh, social structure of the country and it's uh, and the depth of its capacity uh, for ruling. So effectively, what you may be doing is replacing um, one member of the class, all of whom are heavily involved in the fruits of this system with another member. For the exact same thing. Right, and that's, and that's a pity, but another explosion. So you've got assassination, we've got a scandal and, and probably a person who just ran out of steam in the UK. We've got mass explosions uh, given a, uh, the, the, the traditional failures in a developing state uh that tends to be exploited and now uh, by larger states and now as you mentioned uh the imf is coming in trying to uh throw them a little bit of a lifeline so that they can remain productively exploited uh exactly and, and calm um so and 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 there are others on the horizon right so i mentioned um the possibility of uh, Argentina's defaulting on something like $45 billion in loans. Mm. We've been down this road how many times? Uh, this is another structural issue. We've got all this money, it's got nowhere to go. Uh, Argentina has a history, uh, very much like I tend to be in bed by 11, Argentina tends to default on their loans uh, every X number of years. Mm. So it doesn't really mm -hmm. matter what government they have, bad things happen, and yet they keep getting it. I guess that's that's the nature of sovereigns. They never disappear. And so someone you, you're playing musical chairs with money, but it's it's highly disruptive. Uh, and of course, um, Sri Lanka may be followed by uh, the reports I've seen is uh, Lebanon and Zambia. Zambia would be a big China connection. Lebanon is a whole it's a very different problem.
And we should, we should actually, I would be interested to talk about what it looks like when uh, debt-ridden countries default. For whom the- right, For those, and, those countries. Yeah, we can- And the countries pod. they are beholden to. <laughs> yeah, no, we can pod that. We can, that, that, that would be fun. And so what do you make of all of this? I mean, the interesting thing is all happening within a fairly condensed period of time. It made me think of the, the first thing I thought of, and this is terrible, is made, made me think of just falling dominoes. Oh my God, we had this domino theory once. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when if you let one country fall to the European communists, then all the other countries mm. would fall. Of course, it didn't speak very highly of the of the liberal democratic system since it didn't seem to take much for a country to to fall. But it's uh, not like you know Fumio Kishida is still running. He's doing his his um, run his um, campaigning. Right, and they just had their election, didn't they? They're, he's he's campaigning. Okay, when's the election? Um, I relatively soon. I'm not exactly sure. Maybe in the fall or in a couple months. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, soon. But business as usual. All right. So is this going to scar Japan? No. But no, it won't. It, of course, there's resilience. It's just, um, Technology is always going to be there. Progress is, you know, we're just going to have to think about things differently now. There. But Japan will remain engaged in the world. Right? Yes. I mean, that's that's become clear. Um, specifically, if, if not because of um, just what's been going around going on around Japan. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I, I can imagine in the short term nothing much is going to change in Britain or Sri Lanka or um or or Japan. No. Uh, but of course everyone worries that in the longer term, right, things will will get a little different. Yes. But we will we will find out. And of course the elephant in this room is all of this is being undertaken in the shadow of the uh Russo-Ukrainian war. You can't really escape it. Every, it's in everyone's calculus, even if you're, what is it, five or six degrees of separation away. Mm -hmm. you never, you're, you're not disconnected from, from this thing. Uh, and given uh, the uh, choices that the Chinese have made with respect to their friendship with uh, Russia, given the choices that India is making in terms of hedging, um, not that they had much choice, but it makes sense for them that every one of these outbursts or these moments of, of instability um, are likely placed in someone's calculus somewhere uh, for some kind of advantage. Yeah. So last words? Them's the breaks. Oh, God, that's so cynical. <laughs> well, Taking it from Boris. Right, I, I guess. Well, my sympathies to the and my best wishes to the people of Britain, my sympathies to the people of Sri Lanka with hopes that at some point they will able they will be able to overcome 
in a nationally contextual way uh, the systemic challenges that bring about these periodic explosions. And my deepest sympathies and condolences to the Japanese people. Assassinations are a horrible thing. Um, and I think with that, until next time. Until next time. Bark, bark. Woof, woof.